As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, the Arsenal top group B in the Champions League in style last night, putting six past Lons at the Emirates. Uh, to talk about that, I'm joined by Adrian Clark and Amy Lawrence. Morning. Hello. Good morning. Now, I was not feeling too good, so I decided to stay at home. Was it cold last night? Was it one of those really freezing ones last night? You were there, weren't you? Stony, as they say in Scandinavia, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothes. <laughs> Is that, I thought that was Billy Connolly who said that, but okay, maybe he said it in Scandinavia. Well, maybe they all agree, <laughs> Yeah, being relatively northerly people. That's, that's true. It was freezing though, right? It Which was is- cold, but you know, I actually put my ski gloves on and my hands were really hot. So, you know. I've been at colder. Ways and means. You've yeah, been I've been at colder. I've been at much colder. Yeah, all those lawns firecrackers warmed up the air as well, didn't they? Oh, Blimey. <laughs> yeah, well, it does. I mean, listen, you know, we've all been searched outside the ground in the past and thought, well, they're not going to find anything like that. I could go, I could, I could probably uh, smuggle in a trumpet here and they wouldn't blooming get it, would they, right? And uh, it's just, I but anyway. dare you, Stoney. <laughs> I would love nothing more than to see you hoist. A smuggled trumpet. And each week you've got to get a bigger days. instrument. Tuba this oh. week, lads. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, earlier this week, um, Mikel Arteta compared Arsenal's lack of fluidity uh, to being stuck in traffic. He is a man who likes an analogy. Every morning I come from my house to call me. Normally I go Finsley Road and then A41 because it's faster. 
if it's after seven o'clock, I did a different exit. And one day I have a flat tire, what do I do? I have to replace it. Maybe I take a different road because the garage is there. So every game is a different story, guys. Edison invented the light bulb. Today I want to see a team that is connected because a bulb by himself is nothing. I want to see a team that is connected with each other and that shines. See, when we talk about unity, if you are on the boat. So when everything goes well, everybody wants to be there. So now jump on the boat now and, and give us a hand. It's not going to be as fluent. It's not going to be as hectic because there is no space to run, guys. <laughs> you know, when you are sitting in traffic, I want to go 100 miles an hour. Yeah, but I have three buses and 55 taxis and motorbikes around me. So it's tricky. Today, maybe we, we took the plane and we did <laughs> so, something different. We took the, the metro, you know, so it's different rules to win games. And, and that's the beauty of it. So we thought we'd ask if you have a favourite football analogy from over the years. If those of you listening have any suggestions, by the way, get in touch at handbrake at theathletic.com. I did mention briefly, I'm not going to dwell on this one, but I did mention briefly uh, Ian Holloway, uh, who I'm not sure who he was managing at the time, uh, talking about a one-night stand, a game that he had, and comparing it to a one-night stand that he had. It was was a good night, but maybe not as good. Do you know, I don't think I'm really doing this justice because I don't really want to dwell on the idea of it, but we've all had uh, unfortunate relationships, and I understand that. Um, so, Amy, you're, you're shaking your head here. I don't really want to give you, too much air time. You went into a cul-de-sac there, Stoney. Yeah, we I did, yeah, I did a little bit. I was, I was digging a little bit, but it did make me laugh at the time. It was so... It was so unapologetically old school uh, as an analogy. Uh, Amy, what have you got for a football analogy? Well, maybe slightly related to that, but a, a, a little bit more uh, uh, awry and discerning. But I always thought that Arsene Wenger saying everyone has the prettiest wife at home when asked about uh, Arsenal and Man United's differences was um, was a great line. I also had a, a one that I remember from the Eve of the 2006 World Cup final between Italy and France. And Lippi, who was the manager of Italy, uh, is quite a, he's a bit, he's quite a scary, actually, I think, uh, in a way, Marcello Lippi. He, he's very direct and uh, stares at you with those ice blue eyes. And, you know, you, you can feel a little bit of intensity. And, um, he used uh, being hungry for a good feast as his analogy uh, and talked about uh, we know what is on the table. We have the fork in our hands. <laughs> Quite like that as well. That always stuck with me. Nice. <laughs> nice. We ate well last night, though, didn't we? Let's, just to be fair, we did. It was absolutely uh, lovely repast. Uh, Adrian, what about you? Yeah, yeah, there's one that stands out from when I was at Stevenage working under Paul Fairclough, who's it's a bit crazy. He comes out of a lot of, lot of sort of, um, I don't know, sayings. He, he likes an analogy. But there's one that's really stuck with me, actually. He was t- telling us once in the dressing room about um, boiling point. 212 degrees Fahrenheit is boiling point. And he says, and, and this isn't strictly true because ocean liners aren't, aren't powered by, you know, by, by, by steam or boiling point. But he was like, he goes, if you're at 210, 209 degrees Fahrenheit, 210, 211, you ain't shifting 
you know, a ship, an ocean liner, we didn't shift in anything. He said, it's got to be at boiling point. And, and of course, he, he was talking about football and, uh, you know, it's no use being anything other than being an absolutely full pelt. And... He used to get messages on the pitch. I used to, because I used to, I was a winger, so I was often standing on the side of the pitch. And he'd just go, Clarky, Clarky, you're at 209. 209. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's so funny. Like this. And he goes, because what he was trying to say was, you're doing okay, but I want I want the extra three degrees. And then you, you would give it some and you'd really charge around for the next few minutes. He goes, Clarky, 212, love it. Love it, 212. And it kind of stuck. It stuck with the players <laughs> about boy, being at boiling point. And it actually worked. When At times when he would really go into one about it, we would we would be pretty unstoppable. So yeah, yeah, I thought it was quite quite a good analogy, really. Um, yeah, it's all That's about being, being at boiling point. Clarky, Clarky, you're warm, but no more than that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, well, I got Feeling that a lot. Feeling a bit chilly, Clarky. Feeling <laughs> a bit chilly. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, some sad news to the Arsenal family uh, this week. The players were wearing black armbands last night as a tribute to Megs Wilson, uh, wife of Bob Wilson, who sadly passed away a few days ago. Uh, I can't even begin to imagine what it's like uh, to lose a child, uh, the tragedy uh, in their lives. Uh, they raised an enormous amount for charity and will continue to do with the Willow Foundation. Uh, Amy, you knew Megs well, didn't you? Yes, and I can only say Megs was someone that I admired and adored in equal measure. She was someone who had that real beauty, like inner beauty as well as external beauty, in that whenever you saw her, you felt just so glad to be around this sort of warmth. She was a most remarkable lady, and I was so delighted that Arsenal paid tribute last night because if you think about it, you know, normally... Black armbands, such a gesture wouldn't be extended to sort of a family member of an ex-player or something like that. But it just goes to show that Megs was such an integral part of the Arsenal family. And the club have been very big supporters of the Willow Foundation. And if you don't know the history, Bob and Megs had three children. And Anna, their daughter, uh, who was a super, super person as well. She was ill when she was a sort of, young adult and passed away at the age of 31 and after a, a long sort of five years on and off with cancer, very rare kind of cancer. And Megs wrote a, a book about it eventually, which she wrote diaries at the time, which are incredibly detailed and pretty tough read, but sort of inspiring as well and just reflects what an amazing person she was. And the book's called Anna's Legacy and that's what Willow is. And the work that it's done in, they realised that the things that made the dark moments a little bit brighter were having something to look forward to in the middle of a, a, a bad illness. Um, having a treat kind of made everything feel like you could forget what you were really in. And so Willow is dedicated to what they call special days for young adults, which is a bit of a gap in the sort of caring charity market. And I think 20,000 people have benefited from those special days, whether it's, a, you know, coming to the Arsenal or sometimes a visit to the training ground or to meet someone special or going to a theatre or going to a, a theme park or travelling to 
a different country or centre parks or whatever it might be. It's, it's for people and their families to have a special day together where they can feel normal and forget about all the difficult stuff. Uh, and long may it go on in her memory. Um, yeah, Megs will be dearly, dearly missed by everyone who knew her because she was so special. I echo what, what what Amy says about that charity. I think it's a fantastic charity. There is a gap there, and and they've filled it brilliantly with those, you know, helping to make make memories for for people that that, that have been struggling. So yeah, look, what wonderful legacy, and they work so hard at it for so many years just to keep it keep something going. Um, for that length of time is not easy, and it and it goes from strength to strength. So yeah, no, I wasn't aware that she that she'd been ill for a while. So yeah, I was really really sad to hear the news. And her son is it John, uh, Amy? John, uh, he, John he and out, Robert. John, yeah, I think John actually put out a tweet saying there's been just thousands of messages uh, of uh, of love and support uh, for Bob, and uh, he appreciated them. And we just like to add our own here on the podcast. Arsenal 6, Lons 0, crushed them. I can't believe they beat us in the first game, actually. Uh, Let's talk about that front five. I mean, Adrian, there's been a number of people who have contacted me and you, I believe, on Twitter, (laughs) uh, uh, saying how it's not going to be a cakewalk, we're not going to batter them. I I don't know the exact quote, but essentially they're saying you were wrong. Adrian, that's what they're saying, yeah. And I'm sure you were glad to be as well. Absolutely I was, yeah. I mean, you can only go on what you've seen of a team. And- are they terrible? Are they terrible or were we stunning? Or is it a mixture? No, I mean, I just don't I don't know. just say these things. Like, this this is a team that that, that barely concede a goal. In the, in the time that elapsed between them beating us and last night, they'd played eight games and conceded three goals. That's, yeah, that's the league. That's, that's the league. Well, I don't it's care. They, play, they played on, a couple of Champions Tony. League. They played a couple of Champions League games as well in that in that run. This is this is a team that 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 are normally good at defending. That are very hard working. So no, the, the fact that we got five by half time is an incredible achievement, and and well done to the to the players, the team. It was it was brilliant stuff. I mean, we didn't need a lot of the ball. I think Lons actually had more possession than Arsenal over it was the course 50, of the game. 50-50, I think. I looked about 80 minutes yeah. and it was 50-50 at much, that point. For much of the game, they, they actually had a bit more of it. And and at one point, I think we were 4-0 up at the time, we'd had six shots. So it, we, we were pretty clinical. But yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was good fun. I mean, something that none of us have experienced, I would, I would guess. Be, seeing the Arsenal at home, five up by half time, I believe it hasn't happened since 1963 in the Intercity Fairs Cup. So, Even I wasn't around for exactly. that. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> so it, was, it was quite something. It was. It was indeed. And that front five, Amy, Kai Havertz, Martin Erdegaard, Gabriel Martinelli, Gabriel Jesus and Bukayo Saka. They hadn't played a minute together all season. They all scored in that first half. They each got one. Obviously, it's great to watch those five play when they play like that the interchanging and I read quite an interesting tactical piece today about how Kai Havertz works well with Gabriel Jesus because they they operate in a in a very complementary way I mean going forward if we're playing in in the later stages of the Champions League do you think we'll play those five or do you think that's too attacking I mean Declan Rice is obviously a wonder doing what he does but can he do that 
later on? I, I think it's quite hard to predict how things are going to be next February. That's quite a long way away. It's nice to watch, though, isn't it? Last it, night. Last it, it was. It was lovely. It was. It was. It was the antidote to some of the kind of confusion that we spoke about before when you're you trying to wrap your head around being top of the league and thinking it's not quite clicking or playing that well. And I think this is the Arsenal that people want to see. This is the style that people love. They were at boiling point, weren't they, Adrian? <laughs> I think you could say. Yeah. 212, but no low block to play against, Amy. I Obviously, mean, it does that's make extremely a helpful, you know. Yeah. And I think the challenge for... Mikel and the players is to try and find some sort of middle ground where Arsenal can manage to to get closer to being able to both have the controlling side and have the kind of exciting, effervescent attacking side. And if it can be blended together or within a game you can do a bit of this and a bit of that, then that's that's the that's what Mikel and the players have to work out. Can they achieve that strategically? Because it doesn't half make a difference. In fact, you know, during that first half, it, it was so invigorating to see them play. It felt like they were playing at twice the speed as they were at the weekend. And I'm sure it, it wasn't, but that's how it felt. Just a bit of dynamism and energy. And um, I think Arsenal are the better for it. But I can understand that you can't do that all the time. You can't do it against the low block, but there has to be some kind of happy medium. Quite. Uh, Kai Havertz has got a bit of confidence at the moment. I mean, they, there was definitely a sense that the crowd want him to do well. Uh, but there was some lovely touches. Probably his best game for the Arsenal. Scored the first goal. And that was that was a bit of anticipation. That was part of the reason we bought him, Adrian. The sort of thing that he did there. That he was the one. None of the Lawrence defenders made any move. He was moving forward and, and the ball fell at his feet and he put it in. Yeah, he deserved that goal. Because, yeah, yeah he, he anticipated it really, really, really well. Does he make that run if he didn't score at the weekend? I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, we did all talk about that, didn't we? The fact that he wasn't making those yeah. runs. And now he does seem to be. And, what, and, and the difference as well is that he's making runs into the box with really real uh, sprightliness as well. He's not ambling in there. I noticed last night that he was really sprinting to get himself into good positions inside the box. Didn't always receive it, but he was he was being more ambitious, I think, in his mentality. When the ball was out wide, he was really busting the gut to, to make up ground. And yeah, the, the, the more goals that he scores in this manner, the more encouragement it will give him to, to just go there every time. And as I said on the last pod, he's got the tools, hasn't he, to to score loads and loads of goals, providing he gets into the box because he's he's, he's tall, he's gifted, he can finish with both feet. Yeah. Yeah, so, so now I was pleased with him. I thought a lovely bit of skill by the corner flag in the second half where he, 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 he skips for a pass, someone gets to the byline. Yeah, it's coming, isn't it? And it was nice to hear the fans at Emirates singing, singing his song as well. And the one thing about the, that... That front five that we talk about there, about is it too attacking? And I definitely get that. And maybe if we were to play Man City or, or Real Madrid or Bayern Munich, you think, right, maybe we go with yeah, a more defensive player in there. But all five are grafters. Tell me tell me a shirker in that front five. They're not. Havertz, 
I've mentioned this before, he works hard. Whether whether you want to admit that to yourself or not, he does work hard and, and he's more than willing to track back. Saka and Mar- Saka's a, a fighter. Martinelli's a fighter. Jesus is a fighter. Erdegaard is is the trigger of the press. He's everywhere. Loves it. Loves the regain. So those front five are not luxury players at all. And, and that is um, why Mikel Arteta, in my opinion, has constructed this five because they're all great going forward. They all score goals, but they're all team players too. Quite. And defending is uh, is an entire team job, isn't it? Let's talk about another of those players then, Bukayo Saka. Um, first time in the Champions League. He seems to have hit the ground running, Amy, <laughs> considering he hasn't had the start, or it, uh, the perception is, for some reason, that he hasn't had the start that he had last season. Uh, seven goal involvements in these five Champions League games. Even when he doesn't seem to be playing that well, he still contributes massively. A goal and assist last night takes so much punishment and keeps coming back for more. I mean, so brave. I think there's a reason why he and Martinelli are double marked most of the time. Uh, they are just so aggressively dynamic. Uh, and when they've got, you know, an opportunity to run at people, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to be either of the defenders who are <laughs> assigned to double mark. And even... You know, at the game against Nancy Shaw, a couple of examples were, I kept thinking to myself, when did it become absolutely fine in football to just shove people over? I mean, some of the fouls are so, are so agricultural. They're not even attempts to get the ball. It's just shoving. It baffles me that, 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 you know, just goes on and repeatedly and it seems to be a foul at best. But... Uh, they obviously went for him quite early on a couple of times and, and I loved the run he made for um, the second goal and they were coming at him from all angles and just Brilliant, kept, going and kept going and kept going and kept going. It was such a wonderful riposte to the nonsense that you know he, he has to put up with. And I think actually there's a psychology there that if you're a defender and you've been wound up before the game to like close this kid down at all costs... And he still goes through early on and, and punishes you. Um, you probably your head drops a little bit maybe after that. And and another thing that you know we talk about all the time about playing against the low block and all this stuff. But last season Arsenal got a lot of early goals and it's makes such a difference. And this season it's been a lot harder. And again, last night against Lens was a a brilliant example of how helpful it is if you get yourself in front quickly. That it just it becomes a, a bit of a nightmare for the opposition because they, you know, they have to start coming out a bit and risking their strategy, and that leaves some open. And if if Arsenal can attack at will, great things can happen. They've got f- phenomenal quality players. True, yeah, including. Um... Another one who's absolutely brilliant in the Champions League, Gabriel Jesus. He scored in all four of his Champions League appearances this season. I mean, Amy, I'll come to you first for this one. There's there's a lot of talk about he doesn't quite score enough goals. He said it himself. Uh, he was talking about when he was playing for Brazil and he said goal scoring is not his top, top priority. But he's an ice cold finisher, isn't he? What he did last night, leaving Danso on his backside, sliding off into the distance and then buried it. It was in a good slow mo of that, by the it way, was, if you watch it back, it was fun. Lovely to watch. And he did it earlier this season yeah. in the Man United yeah. game as yeah. well. It's, it's absolutely lovely uh, to watch him do that. 
But it's, he brings so much to the team, doesn't he? I mean, I mean, I know we've got some uh, more than adequate deputies. You know, Leandro Trossard can play there, Eddie Nketiah can play there, Kai Havertz can play as centre forward. But the way that Gabriel Jesus, the 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 chaos that he brings, there's no one really like him, is there? I'm interested by this comment of like goal scoring not being his top priority because obviously people kind of hook onto that and as a headline it is one that has you scratching your head about a centre forward but when you think back even say to the Invincibles all of those players had generosity almost as high up on their list of attributes as goal scoring they got the same amount of joy as contributing through an assist or through build up play to actually getting the finish and um, if that's what he's getting at, I'm fine with that. Because <laughs> he does do an awful lot that just creates openings and, and creates danger. But I was interested, so I, I enjoyed the opportunity to have a look at Wahi in the flesh at the Lovely other end. player. And, you know, there were people around me in, in the North Bank kind of t- discussing whether or not he should be someone that Arsenal was interested in. And there was quite a quite a fun debate about, you know, do you go, obviously someone like Tony, who's strongly linked, who's probably going to have a, a, a an immense price tag because it's an English club, et cetera, et cetera, Premier League experience, or isn't the value in finding someone before they've hit the Premier League? Although you could argue the value is finding him when Lance bought him last summer for 35 mil, which is not exactly nothing. I think it's maybe the second highest transfer ever between two League One clubs. And it'd so, be more than that now, wouldn't well, it? Well, massively so. Yeah. But I've not seen many people give Saliba a little bit of a tough time, and he did. He, he did it twice. And, he took him on down yeah, the wing. And that in itself was, I think, something that makes you think. So I still think, as encouraging as it is to have this front five, uh, together and see what can happen. And yes, there's some deputies around that want to come in and have a slice of the action. But if Arsenal, ha- you know, how seriously ambitious are Arsenal? Because if the ambitions are serious, then I think still think there's room in this squad for a slightly different type of centre forward. Adrian, any more thoughts on that, really? I mean, it's great to watch Gabriel Jesus play when he plays like that. There was a moment in the first half when the ball came out to him and he did one of those little flicks behind his leg and won a free kick. And he was under serious pressure there. And it, and you just thought, my God, what an outlet we have. Oh, I'm a big fan. I've, I've always liked Gabriel Jesus. Uh, yeah, he's just, uh, I like his spirit. And yeah, the the way that he sent the the defender sliding pass was was glorious. He's really good at it. It was right in front of me in the clock end, and he just passed it into the back of the net, didn't he? And Wahi, yeah, he is good. He's sharp, very sharp player for for his age. He's he's going to develop into a top top talent, no no doubt about it. Was he twenty one? Was he twenty one? I think he's still twenty. I think he's still twenty. Yeah. 20. So it's, it's oh, he's yeah. he's going to get a big move at some point. He's not that prolific though. He, I think he scored four goals this season, um, two assists. So that side of it has, has got scope for improvement. But yeah, he he, he was a handful on on goals. Obviously, Jorginho scores, which means we've now had fifteen different goal scorers so far this season um we're still we are technically still in november as we speak um 15 different goal scorers i had a little look this morning at liverpool and city in all competitions liverpool have got 10 different goal scorers 
City have got eight. It's a it's a definite plus that we're not so we're not reliant on one. You know, we've got we've got so many different avenues and ways to ways to score goals. It's great. Can we just have a shout out for Martinelli, who I think hasn't been getting the attention lately, but has been super for the last few matches. Really, he he's the one. Oh. That was a lovely bender, wasn't it? What's yeah. nice is when you start to get used to a player, as we are now, is that you. Uh, as soon as he got in that position, I was sort of waiting for him to do that, and that's a, a lovely feeling to have. <laughs> yeah, very very watchable. This is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by the Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. They get a handbrake off and you can see that they are more free to play. I'm just going to ask the door, it's the dog. Amazingly, trained dog to push the bell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's impressive, isn't it? I can't even get mine to sit down. <laughs> Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark here on the Athletics Arsenal podcast Handbrake Off. Adrian, one of my favourite moments last night was Gabrielle at the death, the block, <laughs> when it went through to oh. Eliwahi. And he had that, and that's a chance there. And Gabriel got across and made the block because he wanted to keep the clean sheet. And the way that he got up and he roared, that, I mean, we've talked about this competition Adrian, about and you've said this that defenses win this competition. We have got one here, haven't we? We really have. Yeah, yeah I love to see that mentality. Absolutely. I mean, Arteta would have loved it. The fans lapped it up, but I don't think there was anything um, showy about that from Gabriel. I don't think he was trying to do that for the supporters. No, I genuinely think he was buzzing that he'd made that block and that he, it showed the 
fierce determination to keep a clean sheet because defenders obviously don't get the joy of scoring goals which you know I feel for them I didn't have too many defensive bones in my body Um, but for defenders you have to get joy in different ways and one of those ways is, is obviously keeping clean sheets and I think for a number of years um, during the the second part of the Arsene Wenger regime, it, it didn't matter enough to the players at the back when we conceded goals. Um, it, it, I, I saw too many shrugs of the shoulders. Um, at the moment, this group of players uh, are fiercely determined to to shut the opposition out, which is brilliant. Including the ones who came on last night, by the way, the other two as well who came on. Well. Exactly. In fact, the player who whose reaction was ju- he was just behind Gabriel as he was shaking his fist and screaming to the heavens uh, was Jakob Kivio, who looked all you know almost as you know excited with that tackle and with the clean sheet, and that was an impressive performance from him. And I, it was so pleasing to see him get those minutes. And in fact, watching it made you realise quite how good he is and that he would probably be playing virtually every minute for most other clubs and that he's finding it, uh, uh, you know, he's got to be patient to get into this team, which must be tough for him because he is a a serious player. And, you know, I think I'd like to think that we'll see a bit more of him. And I thought what was particularly interesting when he first came on is you could see that he's perhaps been training in that... uh, inverted fullback role because he was he was stepping into midfield and actually made a fantastic run at one point into the box where he wasn't found and was quite adventurous and very comfortable on the ball and you know yet another option in that Zinchenko role if you like who looked very very comfortable and is an excellent defender and uses the ball beautifully so that was great and I think as I believe was a bit of a topic on social media yesterday, but I wasn't quite, because I was at the game, I didn't really see it till afterwards. It was, it was fantastic to have Lewis Skelly and uh, Nwari on the on the bench. You know, two young teenagers who I think probably both qualify for the FA Youth Cup still. Oh, definitely. I think they're a bit young, a bit young for that still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be sitting in, in that company and involved on a day like this. And, at half time, I remember thinking, five nil up against a, a team like this, surely there can't be a better invitation to give these guys a, a taste. Week. It was a reasonable what thought a sport process. Sport Mikel was there. Hey, uh, he could yeah, have but put having him on. said that, uh, of course he could. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting when you actually look at what he did do. You, you felt like he was trying to keep, to use your analogy again, trying to keep some of those uh, fringe players on the boil. Mm, mm. So by bringing on. Kivio, Jorginho, Nketia, um, Reese Nelson. It's it, it's really about keeping those players who are the next ones to be involved over what's going to be a very, very busy period of fixtures so that they're match ready. And uh, and again, that's why Arteta is, is the manager he is because he doesn't put sentiment above, you know, the more immediate needs of the team. And... And that's why he did that. 
Quite. I mean, it's also, I think, about who he ha- who he wanted to take off as well. Taking off Bukayo Saka and Declan Rice and the two fullbacks who've had a few injury issues as well. I think it's good to give them a rest ahead of Wolves uh, at the weekend. Would have made a good picture though, Stoney, wouldn't it? If they both came on oh, together, yeah. you know. If- I mean, that, it, it would have been lovely for them to come on at home, obviously. If they, uh, you know, you sense there's an opportunity for them to come on in the away game at, at, in Eindhoven. But yeah, it, it would be nice for them to be welcomed by... Yeah. by the home crowd the pair would have put that on the wall at Hale End you know Champions <laughs> League numbers you know the two of them standing side by side about to come <laughs> it'll on it'll happen that, you never yeah. know <laughs> maybe in the knockout it'll stages it'll happen <laughs> soon enough it will when we, <laughs> we're battering Real Madrid and he'll bring him on with Tevinis <laughs> what about Tommy by the way very quickly Tommy Tommy was good I thought great pass to Martinelli yeah well it was wasn't it it was a good pass yeah. I think the, he did sort of mean to put it in an area I mean yeah we'll give him the benefit but what I noticed, what I noticed is that is that his desire to overlap Saka was massive. Yes. Like he really did charge up the pitch, and I think it was an opportunity for him to show the manager, I can do what White does. I can have that combination. We, we can work well together. And I think he grabbed that opportunity. Actually, lovely dig out, wasn't it, for Erdegaard's volley as well? Who are you having out of the two of them at the moment? If we're having a first team, because I'm loving what Tommy's doing, Amy. I think in some ways that might be the closest call in the whole lineup. Yeah. Which is a credit to Tommy Asu for making that a difficult decision. Yeah. Adrian, so you're have not I sat in... on the fence there? No, no, no you're not in there. No, it is a very <laughs> but, yeah, close it's call. A hard call. You, you, you're I don't want to leave Ben out. No, yeah, but, I don't no. think any of us do. But Tommy, is he a slightly better defender? Probably. Yeah. But I don't think there's much in it. I, I just think that is, that is a genuine 50-50 call. Yeah, yeah. And kind of mad to think they can both play centre-back as well, you know. We forget how much experience they both have in that position. And, you know, although we might be a little bit light on numbers defensively at the moment with Timber out, you do feel like there's that real flexibility. I mean, you know, when I first started watching football, you you didn't put centre-backs at full-back or vice versa. I mean, I just don't remember it almost ever happening. They were, they were completely different shapes. They're a bit more nimble these days, aren't they, Amy? <laughs> well, they are. But yeah, yeah, the, the, this kind of um, yeah. flexibility is, is, is a, a huge asset, especially when they're all really strong players. And Zinni's sort of, I mean, he made a great block at the weekend, which we didn't talk about on the pod. Uh, a great block at the weekend against Brentford, uh, although it was obviously his mistake uh, <laughs> in the first place. But he's... Um, He's looking very solid and confident. I mean, he's he's first choice out there at the moment, isn't he? Tommy put a rocket up him, didn't he? Because I think he might have done. You know, Tommy Tommy was so good in that role that it it's forced Zinchenko to raise his level, which he has. It's exactly what we want. It's exactly what we want. So we've cruised to victory in a group. I mean, we could say it's a it's a group that isn't um, particularly strong. Uh, The only four teams uh, who qualified after five games in the Champions League were Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Manchester City and us, uh, who I believe were the four, uh, the top four favourites for the competition. So we have performed at a level, notwithstanding the uh, defeat away at Lons. We get to rest in the final group game, uh, Amy. It is huge, isn't it? Because we've got Brighton at home about three days after PSV. We didn't really want a bruising encounter and then have to go into a tough home game like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure that it will still be a strongish team. Uh, I don't think Mikel's going to gonna play the kids in that stereotypical fashion. You know, virtually all the first team 
players who weren't on the pitch uh, at the beginning of the game against Lens, I'd expect to be there. There may be one or two who who play again or play half, and then they'll perhaps put you know some of the youngsters on the bench, and a few won't won't have to travel. But the perfect position to be in. And I think if you look back on it, it was an almost perfect group stage because even that game in Lens, Arsenal played okay and, and they just got two absolute wonder goals. You know, unusually good strikes. And I think that the confidence that they that the team will have from having really enjoyed particularly their home games. They all spoke a lot at the, at the beginning about how big the Champions League was for them before that first game. It was quite a big thing. There was a sort of psychological impulse about a lot of these players who were new to the Champions League, who've been looking forward to it and wanting to be there for a very long time, you know, hearing the music, seeing the banners. Uh, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And they now feel completely at home there, which has been such a lovely platform to have because obviously things are going to start to get very interesting after Christmas. And our home form, Adrian, I mean, I mean, it is a little bit Fortress Emirates. I mean, 12 goals scored, none conceded in this competition. It's a tough place for our visiting teams to come. And, and, and you know, as you said, this is a Lons team that don't really concede a lot of goals. Got absolutely battered there last night. Yeah, yeah, it gives us a lot of confidence for whoever we get in that in that last 16. There are some potentially tough games in there. Napoli are definitely second in their group, so that that's one that stands out. I think RB Leipzig are definitely second in theirs. So, you know, either of those two teams would would, would be tough, but yeah, they'll all be very wary of Arsenal. And we were talking about it on the show, we were having a bit of a giggle last night about the supercomputer and what it was predicting. And and yeah, they're predicting that we, we're four favourites for the competition, as you just pointed out, and, and that we should pretty much almost certainly make this the quarterfinals and that we're, you know, quite likely to even get to the semis, which Don't you find that is some step forward I, I know, from where we from where we I'm were. I'm kind of intrigued yeah. by this because Arsenal haven't got any recent Champions League pedigree. It's been absolutely years since they've been in the competition. You don't need the pedigree if you've got the team, do you? I guess, you know. I guess. But I just think when you talk about Real Madrid, who, you know, are perennial winners and, uh, you know, you would expect them to be involved in the latter stages all the time. Man City are probably the strongest team in Europe at the moment and current holders. Bayern Munich. Uh, Bayern Munich, yeah. Oh, great, and they've got <laughs> like, Harry Kane I just Kane find here, it yeah. interesting that Arsenal are, uh, are up there with that lot in the kind of general conversation. I, I don't I, think I don't think they are, actually. I think that they are very much fourth favourites after those three. I would say those three. So who was fifth and sixth and seventh? Who, was, who were Arsenal around? Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Napoli teams like that, in Inter, Inter Milan. But if you look at all of the teams around Europe, They've all got flaws. Real Madrid have got Bellingham, but he's carried them to a degree. Obviously, they've got Vinicius Junior, who's brilliant. He's injured Rodrigo, now. But their defence, if you look at the names in the, in the, and their goalkeeper at Real Madrid, you think, oh, they wouldn't get in our team. And you could probably say similar about the Inter Milan players, even the Barcelona team. It's a team in, in transition. Bayern Munich could score a hatful, but, but, but have flaws at the back. They let in a lot of goals. Um, even domestically. So, 
it, it is City, really, that are the team that are the most rounded by quite some way. Is there something in in a similar sort of attitude to the league in that, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson always said this, you, you stay in there till April and then you see where you are and then you go for it. Well, if we can stay in the competition till the semi-final and then we get one of those teams, hopefully we don't get one beforehand and then we see how we down. go. What? 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 Just, well, just wait for the quarter. Wait for the next round, man. Just wait for us to enjoy it. Wait for the next round. Start thinking about semi-finals or finals. I'm just hypothesising, is all. Yeah. And there's Boy. nothing wrong with that, right? I'm not saying we will. I'm saying that's what you do. Yeah. There's, there's a very. There seems to be a very sort of steely, sort of pragmatic view. The way that this the, these boys are, are attacking the competitions this year in a way that they didn't last year. It's very, very impressive. And this this really unsatisfactory and yet rather brilliant season goes on, doesn't it? Let's be fair. I mean, it is odd, isn't it? <laughs> top of the league, top of our Champions Group, uh, uh, Champions League group with a game to spare. And can't um, wait for us to click. Yeah. Waiting for us to click. I did. I do think we probably did last night. Wolves next, by the way. They're missing a few players. Uh, do we rotate? I guess we do rotate. I'd probably see Leandro Trossard come in. Adrian, maybe one or two others. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really rotate at all at the moment, but. But yeah, Trossard, I don't really count him as a rotatable player. I think, well, he is rotatable, probably with Havertz or, or Erdegaard, I guess. But I mean, I think we all want to see Saka and Jesus and Martinelli again, don't we, for, for this game? I think it'd be a good game, actually. Wolves Wolves are pretty bold uh, under Gary O'Neill. They'll go for it. Remember Gary O'Neill caught us on the hot with that clever kickoff routine as Bournemouth head coach last season. So I think... I think Wolves will offer a goal threat in the game, but but they're not they're not great at the back. Uh, so we should we should score plenty of goals. And and they've got I think they've got their two central midfielders um, are both suspended for the game, which is a bit of a bonus. Yeah, Joe Gomez and Mario Lamina both missing is uh, is helpful. Uh, I agree. Uh, Amy, um, I mean Adrian's right. We do want to see the first team, but it's interesting the the number of minutes that players have had in twenty. 223, nine players had 990 minutes through the first 13 Premier League games. This season, that number is just three, uh, Saka, Rice and Saliba. Uh, there is a bit more depth, isn't there? There's, it's it's un, it's unquestionable. I think those numbers are like that because of injuries, though, because last uh, season, everybody was fit for that first period and there were very few changes to the team. But it is fantastic that, that the minutes are being shared around and the position of the team remains incredibly high. Uh, okay, uh, let's have a song before we head off. Uh, Adrian, what you got? <laughs> well, I'd forgot. I'd forgotten all about the song. So, I haven't done many of these podcasts lately, so <laughs> I just completely forgot. But during the course of the pods, um, something you said, Stoney, um, inspired me when you were talking about the defender um, sliding past Gabriel Jesus with that, that dummy and it brought back memories of the United player. Who was it? Was it Dallow that, that slid in? And I, I believe it was. All those memes of him sliding past. I, I, there's not many better sights than, than Gabriel Jesus just chopping the ball from one foot to the other and then a defender sliding past. So um, slide away by Oasis. Uh, good track.
you know what? <laughs> Go on. I was going to choose that as well. No way. I was going to choose that. I was. I was going to choose that as well. But okay. Um, all right, let me quickly, while Amy's making her song, let me quickly come and see if I can come up with That's another amazing. one. I'm not sure I will. Uh, I, yeah, I'm also slightly worried that I'm picking the same songs as Adrian, but... <laughs> <laughs> I do like that tune. That's a great, that's a great song. I've infected uh, you, Stoney. You have. What have you done? Yes, I've got the Carpenters. I'd like something. Do you think Amy's it. next? Just, uh, I don't think so. I, do I you? didn't pick the same song. No. Did you not? No. What have you got, Amy? Uh, I've gone for. Um, this is partly dedicated to uh, the the team clicking last night, but also dedicated to Megs, and it's a song by Nick Lowe called "You Inspire Me." In so many ways. When I'm on the ground You seem to know How to pull the blessings down And spread them all around You inspire me I have uh, got another tune uh, Paul Simon, Slip Sliding Away Slip sliding away Slip sliding away You know the nearer your destination The more you slip sliding away Alright, it's a similar theme <laughs> but uh, that's funny that we thought of that because it wasn't the most obvious. No, no, no. But I was thinking, I just absolutely loved watching him do that last night, Gabriel Jesus. It's always a pleasure. Uh, anyway, that is it for Handbrake Off this week. We'll be back after Wolves at the weekend. Thanks to Amy Lawrence, thanks to Adrian Clark, and thanks to Jay, our producer. And thank you for listening, listener. Uh, see you soon. Ta ra. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.